0: Hey, Jay. How are you? Very well. How are you? I'm doing okay.
1: We have to stop meeting like this. Each time I call you, I have to say it's a recorded line. I feel like a bill collector now. (laughs) How is everything going?
0: Well, it feels like we're on a submarine in the middle of a ghost town. Thank you. Well, (laughs) that's really great.
1: You're you're a horror filmmaker, so of course you're going to find the perfect image. (laughs) Um, uh, in in all seriousness, how's all of this uh, affecting you?
0: Well, um, I was supposed to be directing my uh, seventh feature out on the West Coast, and I was supposed to be shooting in April, and that's pushed, uh, currently they say it's pushed to, um, end of May, but we have to see how things go, you know, it's like I'm kind of taking things one day at a time at this point. Right. So any of the projects that were planned are pushed into the future, and I'm just going to allow that to unfold however it's supposed
1: to. Well, the, and then and I the guess dubiously, shot already, I, I was going to say uh, dubiously, congratulations that they're just being pushed into the future as, a, yeah. a, as opposed to canceled. So that's at least one good thing. And you, yeah, you, we'll said, the, things go. you said the projects that uh, have already been shot?
0: Yeah, like, there's, um, two things that are in post right now. There's a short and a, f- and a feature. We did a feature-length version of, uh, Slapface this past fall. Right. We are editing those, you know, so, like, the short, right, you know, I was, like, just on the phone with the sound designer, and we just finished color correcting that day. So, you know, that that's going to be finished within the next, like, week or so. Uh, and then Slapface, you know, it's with the editor I always work with, Katie Dillon Wedge, and, uh, you know, we're um, lining up the rest of the Post team. So uh, so that's all moving forward. Like, Post hasn't been slowed down by the, uh, the pandemic. All the Post people are kind of happy to be able to continue working. It's a really nice distraction for them to be able to be cutting films or, or sound designing films. You know, they can kind of escape from the... Uh, the terrible things that are happening in the world right Indeed. now into an imaginary dream world, you know, and uh, and work on their creative life for a little while, and then come and reemerge and see what's going on. That's so I'm really happy for them because it allows them to continue to be creative while they're you know self isolating.
1: That's really fascinating. So so it hasn't stopped. You know, someone can do something, then send a copy to you or put it onto a, a, a Google Drive or or, or That's right. all sorts of things. So it, everything's just happening remotely. How? You know, I'm 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 old school. I'm, I'm imagining cutting film. Oh yeah, he's sitting in a dark room with one of those cutters and 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 the celluloids going. <laughs> by. No, this is this is it's like a video game. You guys are just putting everything together and just emailing it to someone else.
0: Uh, yeah, that's pretty much how it's working right now. Is uh, it's it's uh, giving notes over email or over the phone or over video chats, and then then the work is. Submitted back to us via Google Drive or Vimeo or Dropbox um, or another or another uh, file serving program. Is, you know, and is it, it just allows us to keep the communication going?
1: Is it fascinating or or frustrating? Because uh, because I would imagine uh, yes, without any kind of obstructions, all of you can dare I say you you're, you sit in a room and you have nothing else to do but be creative. Uh, does it yeah, does it become I find a boon?
0: It Okay. No, I find it fascinating. Um, You know, it's... I would say this to whoever is a creative person. It's like, don't feel obligated to, you know, it's like, just because we have all this free time, don't be like, oh, now I can write my great American novel, you know, or I can write the screenplay that I've always been dreaming of. Like, don't worry, you know, it's like, if you want to, then do it. If it provides comfort for you, then do it. If you're feeling inspired to do it, then do it. But I wouldn't say just because you have this free time it's like i feel obligated to use the time to be creative it's like you know i like when the shit was going down i just stopped writing altogether i was working on scripts and i was like ah you know it's like i, I kind of want to adjust to the new reality of my given circumstances in my life and, and you know writing a script right now just felt like you know it, it didn't feel like a release it just felt like a you know just a thing that was there, you know, and it was only in the past couple of days that I've started writing again, you know, it's like, because there's a lot of free time on our hands right now, you know, I was like kind of mulling over story ideas and kind of unlocked a couple ideas for a script I've been working on, so I started writing again. But it was only because I didn't put any pressure on myself at all to, there's no obligation to do any work whatsoever that allowed me to actually find my way back into it. And then the post stuff, that just carries on, you know, it's like that's part of a bigger machine where there's many people working on those projects, you know, There's involved an editor, a sound designer, a music composer, right. a colorist, the director of photography has to talk to the colorist, you know, the producers have their notes, you know, so, and I'm really blessed because this short and the teacher have a lot of really smart, talented people working on them, so it's just a, it's, um, it's kind of like making projects with your friends where, like, the producers of Flatface are really terrific people. You know, they're really intelligent, they really understand the project, so they, so when they give their notes, I really take it seriously because they care about the whole thing. You know, they care about it creatively, they care about it holistically. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting because there are three, well, there's, like, four, I don't know, there's, like, eight credited producers on Flatface, but, like, the... The big three that were involved throughout the whole process were Mike Manning, who's out in Los Angeles, Artisha Mann, who's, uh, Man Cooper, who's in Atlanta, and Joe Benedetto, who's in New York. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even before principal photography, we were dealing a little bit with this game of like phone calls between Atlanta and New York and, uh, California, uh, Los Angeles. So, oh, you that's know, it's like. <laughs> So, you know, so in, in that way, that communication hasn't changed. Like, Mike is an incredibly close collaborator. He's on a different coast than I am. So, you know, we were just on the phone talking about the latest edit two days ago, but that, that was exactly the same in pre-production as it is now. So in that way, the pandemic may have made our lives a lot weirder, but it didn't change our process of like how we're collaborating. On it, it's,
1: it sort of made your, your collaboration less weird when you get right down to it. Beforehand, you're like, wow, we can just have to call people. What time is it in L.A. right now? Now you're like, okay, well, uh, today's Monday. You know, it's, it's, it's almost, it almost doesn't mean anything when you get right down to it. Yeah. Uh, so, so you advise, and, and you're not the first person to say this, actually. My wife Mary had, had said this also. You shouldn't immediately sit down and say, okay, and now I must create. Take a moment and, and, and get the lay of the land and see who you are in all of this and then, and then begin to create.
0: Yeah, and while you're creating, you're still dealing with all those feelings of, like, the, I mean, at this point, you know, you really just have to take it day by day, you know, say, like, how do I feel on Monday, you know, and, like, what's on my list for Monday, because things are changing so rapidly that, like, you know, I don't know where we're going to be on Wednesday, you know, so... So it's, like, it's okay to take it day by day, you know, and I'm, I'm not against people planning for things in the future, you know. It's, like, I know casting directors who are still so, casting for stuff that is that are planning to shoot in June. You know, my casting director friend that was talking to me you today, it was just birthday yesterday, and <laughs> I wish her happy birthday. And, you know, she was saying, like, yeah, you know, it's, like, do you want to keep casting for this short that we were planning to do in May? And I was in, you know... I was talking to the producers about that, saying, like, you know, we probably shouldn't do anything, you know, we should probably wait and just get a sense of, like, when we're, when the reality of production is going to be back, you know, and when we'll actually be able to go back into shooting films again. I, I, um, I had a
1: colleague tell me how creeped out she was. Uh, uh, Lincoln Center, out of nowhere, started uh, promoting their summer series. At that point, it was, it was just like a small article somewhere something's going on in China, but somehow Lincoln Center was clairvoyant enough to, why don't you come here for the summer? Uh, uh, so, so it got eerie that way. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting that, that you're saying, okay, let's cast for May whenever it's happening. Yeah, I
0: mean, we just got I mean, you know, for that one, it's like that's a pretty expensive Yeah, you know, they've got a lot of money on the line for that one. Yeah. It's like a lot of people are involved. It's like a Pretty big production, you know. So, you know, they they're trying to keep it going. You know, they're just trying to keep it um, alive. I mean, again, those they're all really smart people, and like, it's, there's a lot of talented people in front of them behind the camera on that project. But, uh, but it's really, you know, I mean, right now, I just have to say, you know, let's let's see how it unfolds. But you know, that's why I'm working right. You know, like my the editor Katie, who's cutting. Face is also cutting this project that you're involved in, which is the, uh, the you bells. Know, it's, um, the bells, you know. So um, the story behind the bells is that for years, I kind of want I've kind of wanted to get like a bunch of actors together, and I was just thinking of putting them against a like Steve Jobs like white screen or something, and have them perform the bells, and then cut it together with like you know ten to twenty different actors, and you know to see how that. Emerges, but the entire idea would be that like, many different voices would form into a collage right. for this piece. So I never was able to get it going, uh, for just whatever reason. Uh, and then, and then time stopped, and we all had to go indoors. And, uh, I was talking with my friend Lizzie Cat, who's a tremendous filmmaker, great singer-songwriter, great artist. She does a lot of different, uh, she, uh, performance artists, all sorts of different, uh, things. And we were talking about, well, how do we create visual art in isolation? How do we create movies in isolation? And we were kicking around various ideas. And, uh, you know, I I didn't have anything at the time. And then the next morning, I was like, well, why why, don't I finally go make the bells? The the thing I always wanted to do. Because now, but has a different uh, angle now, which is that we're all Captain indoors. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, so now The Bells can be about these people in this place in this time. I asked Katie if she wanted to do it, and she said, yeah. You know, and I said, let's just get a bunch of actors. It'll be pretty much first come, first serve. We'll cut it together relatively quickly and just put it out there just as a piece of pandemic art. And and The Bells also is not like, it's, you know, it's a great poem, but it's also. It, it can be whatever metaphor you want to plug into it. It's not like Annabelle Lee, which is about the death of a, of a, a loved one. You know, it's a beautiful poem. Annabelle Lee's my, my favorite poem poem, but it's inappropriate for right now. Right. You know, whereas The Bells, you know, kind of like, it's one of those things where whatever the actor is going through at that time, they can bring it into the piece and, and we'll see what emerges. We're cutting it together, um... We'll see how it all unfolds. It was we got way too many submissions. I had to I had to start turning actors. I had to start turning actors away. You know, and I, and I didn't expect that. I put it online and it was like, ah, we'll get like five or six people. And nobody's going to want to do this. But of course, there's a flood of people who wanted to work on something. Actors who wanted to memorize something and craft something and create something. And you know, the, and the hard reality is also that we probably have more actors than we can fit into the piece. We're cutting it now, and we'll see. Sure. You know, I, I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but uh, but we're we're allowing the piece to talk to us, and allowing the piece to find its form. And hopefully, in the next day or two, we'll release it on social media. Like, on, you know, I'm, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and you know, I'll send it out and like tag all the actors and share it and so on. And, uh, please please send and it, we'll it to
1: see. me, because uh, I definitely want to make sure it's seen. Of course. I, I, it's funny, when I, when I was doing it, I, I had the knee-jerk reaction. I, was, I put the camera up and I said, oh, this is great, okay, I get to do a project now under all these conditions, it's wonderful. And then as I'm reading it, literally as I'm reading it in front of that camera, with, with just me and the camera in one room, um, I realized yeah. how powerful the piece is, because yes, it's all about life, but it's the life yeah. that we've been living in the innocence right. uh, that we've had, and then suddenly the the bell of illness and emergency. And even then, we yeah. still we still don't take it seriously. And then there is that last death knell, and it, it yeah I mean, oh, exactly it, it was you know at first I thought oh I the power is so creepy that's nice no the the meaning right now is that much more powerful
0: and it was a brilliant choice yeah we are going to plug into what that poem means for us right now is that was the entire intention of yep. the yep. of the piece. So, um, you know, and the actors have gotten really, you know, they've gotten really creative with it. People did all sorts of different things, you know, and we're really open to exploring what we can do.
1: I've always thought that horror movies are the cautionary tale going way back when. You can look at Nosferatu, you can look at whatever. Oh, yeah. And they're all the cautionary tale. Uh, Do you think we're going to have, uh, and I I can't call it the bright side of it, I guess, the cautionary tales coming out of this, this particular thing that we're going through?
0: I can't I, I you know, I don't I can't see how we wouldn't right. because just throughout history genre films have responded to the times in which we were living. So, you know, Night of the Living Dead, you can't watch that movie without the reference of the sixties and without all the assassinations that were going on of course. and the War and all the other stuff going on. You know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like with the seventies, with the gas shortage, you know, they literally you know, are like running out of gas, you know. Oh, sure. Uh on of the Dead, with the shopping mall culture, but, you know, uh, so all, I think we're always, you know, I mean, horror is a really flexible genre, and it always is reflecting back our times to us. I contend, I
1: I contend the reason that we have, uh, such a, a, love affair with Dracula and Frankenstein, and actually even the oh Wolfman, yeah. is because For we were, course. we were looking at, we were looking at entering a second world war, war. with, with Europe. Uh, uh, That's exactly right, and and so the the uh, the Hungarian the Hungarian threat, the the German threat, even even the the uh, the, the the monster that came from the gypsies uh, at that time. Right. We're we're all looking at, at, at what what's happening in Europe from a, from a macabre point of view.
0: So, oh, without a doubt, you know, it's like I mean, those films were made during pre. And during the um, the Second World War, then nice. in the nineteen fifties, when there was nuclear terror, you had Godzilla and them and creatures like that coming of out. Of the Communist Red Scare, you had invasion of the body snatchers. So, you know, it's always it will always find new forms, and uh, and you know, it'll be really interesting to see what art and what horror stuff emerges from this. And you know, it'll be interesting because not all of it will be literal. You know, it won't all necessarily be about. Contagion and pandemics. It may be about isolation and claustrophobia. Exactly. You know, It may be about um, uh, who knows what. You know? It may be, you know, cabin fever. I mean, who knows what will emerge? Any ideas uh, in your head from this? Any ideas well, as you're sitting yeah, going, you know, would be a great was, movie. It, well, I mean, it did help me. You know, it's just, <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time in. You know, I've been spending a lot of time in my house. So, um, and I was struggling with a rewrite. On a project that I've been working on before Slap Base, uh, uh, before we shot it, I kind of said that, script aside, and was like, alright, eventually I'll figure out, you know, like how to attack the story problem I'm having, this is not this is first draft, it was like draft 9 or 10 or something, but it's like, there's a block there, and then, you know, just being in isolation, and thinking about how I was feeling in the present tense, just Jeremiah Kip right here, right now, you know, I was like, oh, you know, those feelings... Definitely inform the scripts, you know, and they inform some of the stuff that I wanted to work on it with it. I remember getting like a script note on it from uh, a really good actor, filmmaker friend of mine named Lucas Hassel, who was saying, "This was this is months ago. This is like probably December." He's like, "Yeah, I think some of this forest story needs to move back indoors." Yeah. You know? Oh, that's and, funny. Uh, and I was like, "How do I put it back indoors?" And now, of course, we're living it. Yeah. And uh, and it's like, oh, all right. Well, I think I have some. Intuitive ideas now about how we can, I can restructure the story. So you know, I've got my index cards back out and I'm restructuring the story. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll take a, we'll take on a new draft of it. You know, once I feel once I feel like all my pieces are in order. Right. So you know, certainly, you know, I would rather not be living in a pandemic. You know, but <laughs> um, right, but I would also be lying to say that I'm not constantly taking in what's going on around me and then putting it into some, you know, I mean, I I mean, when I was a little kid, I felt more comfortable. I mean, the the thing, the reason I make movies is because there are a lot of things in life that make me feel incredibly uncomfortable and I like putting a frame around them. People don't become directors because they don't have control issues, you know, it's like I like (laughs) controlling those pieces of reality, you know, and uh, so, you know, so this, Story, was informed by the shit that's going on in my life right now and in the lives of everybody sure. you know, it's not a pandemic script at all it's not uh it's not a virus story at all but like some of the the stuff that i'm dealing with right now is like is finding its way into that uh script so you know it's like you you're creating everybody's everybody's lives are, you know whether creative or not are going to be informed by this experience you know and uh and the creators, you know, all throughout history have taken those pieces of reality and, like, transformed them into into art or films sure. or whatever. Just, just the same as Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman. Those were undeniably made by uh, people that were... Dealing with the repercussions of uh, of World War II, right. some of them weren't American. Yeah, you know, some of them were were people that came from Europe and were making films in the United States. So, um, so it was directly informed by the uh, by the experience, by that what I they went t- through. Yeah. For, for heaven's sake, yeah, that's correct. It's, it's funny you say so, that because you know, it's like all that stuff informs uh, the creative process like, at, at, on every level.
1: I, I I'm a, a comic book fan also. Well, I guess you have to be. And, and, yeah, it kind of looks great. Uh, and when I when I think about, and I, I read a book once on this, uh, many other books reference it, uh, so many comic book creators in the 1940s, they or their parents or their grandparents escaped the Holocaust. And so when, oh, they, yeah. when they created yeah, superheroes, there was this catharsis of creating someone that will save them. There was a whole analogy of Superman being, at one point, being the perfect Holocaust uh, analogy. Uh, now, now he becomes now he becomes the new Christ figure. So he's he's always been the savior uh, on, right. on some level. Do you think people are finally going to come to the realization that, like you and I have come to, that that horror movies are are a catharsis and the perfect cautionary tale? Do you think people are going to start looking at the old movies and saying, "Oh, so that's what they meant"? Do you think we're educating you know, people uh, in a really macabre way? Sure, because you
0: know, like the horror. Horror has a tendency to outlive the naysayers, you know? Like, everybody was kind of like, oh, that's a bunch of trash. (laughs) Forty years later, that same film is in the Museum of Modern Art. Thank you. Chance of Masker was, was, you know, oh, it's just some dumb slasher film that these low-budget crazy people made in Texas, and now it's considered a classic. So, you know, it's like, I, I think that I don't anticipate people to magically turn around and say, yeah, horror films are... You know, uh, because it just doesn't doesn't work that way in popular culture. Like horror is subversive, you know. Horror is like a way for us to talk about the uncomfortable things that are going on right now under a mask. You know, the mask of the monster or the zombie or the killer or whatever the threat may be. Right. You know, and it's like only afterwards do we look back on something and say, "Oh, that's what was going on." You know, that's what it really meant. You know, um, like. We'll be really, you know, like, like Kramer versus Kramer, you know, people have kind of forgotten that movie, but David Cronenberg movies, like, kind of stuck with us in a weird sort of way, you know? Uh, so, like, the movie that won the Oscar years ago might be the thing that is forgotten. Like, Hitchcock, I don't think he ever won an Oscar, but people still talk about Psycho. You can't forget Hitchcock. Northwest, which were also kind of, cons- at the time, were like, I mean, you know, like, box office successes for sure, but like uh, um, but nobody was gonna give the Oscar to Alfred Hitchcock for Psycho, even though it's far more revered than, you know, the 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 classics, so called classics of that year. Right. You know, so so that's not kinda how I feel about I don't think anything is gonna change in that way if history is a, a way for us to predict trends. Well you know, it's like it's it's always our horror at the head of the curve and then we catch up with what it meant afterwards.
1: I'm 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 trying to be more hopeful since The Shape of Water won the Academy Award a couple of years ago.
0: That's true. That was pretty inspiring. You know, it's like maybe that it was a monster love story made it palatable to bass audiences, but it made me very happy. I think Guillermo del Toro is great. He's yeah. a great artist, and uh, and how fantastic to take the Creature from the Black Lagoon idea. And he gets the And, girl. Actually, and then create the, the story where the monster and the, uh, the love interest lined up together. You know, right. it, was like, it was spectacular. Um, so and, and inspirational. So maybe you're, you know, I mean, maybe I'm being a little too uh, old school about it. Because you know, that certainly was a wonderful thing. Like Jim you know, Toro won the Oscar.
1: Well, we're, we're both in agreement that at some point everyone looks at the horror movie and says, okay, now I get it. You're, you're saying in a couple of decades, I'm saying hopefully in a couple of weeks,
0: but, but yeah, somewhere in between, well, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see how it goes down. Well, yeah, we're living it now, you know, we're yeah. in the middle of, like, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we've got, like, horror that's um, in the streets all around us. So, you know, it's like, and I, I don't think that that will kill the genre film. Like, the genre film has proved to be incredibly durable. Oh, I, I think it'll
1: enliven it. Actually, I think I think yeah. people are going to. Uh, eventually, I think people will go go and want to see the the parable version of this and how it all ends. That's so, great. So I, I think uh, I think if anything, it's going to help. in a... oh god, it's all in a
0: macabre way when you talk about it that way. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's always but it's been true for us ever since we were little kids. Yeah you know, we we don't we don't read Hansel and Gretel for social realism. You Thank know? you. It's like. It's not about two starving. I mean, you know, the, the two kids are starving, and you know, it's like. But then they find a gingerbread house and a witch, which turns it into reality plus. So, as children are primed to, you know, see the fantastic in the stories, you know, and uh, and I don't see how that would be any different now. You know, it's like people are always taking the plague and transforming it into art throughout pandemic history. Honestly, Shakespeare was doing it. Um, like, he was writing during the time of plague, and, and, uh, and, and invested some of his plays with that, you know, like, directly, they make direct reference to it. Of course. So, so, I don't see how that, you know, it's like, the more things change, the more they stay the same. We're,
1: we're living a biblical parable at the moment, so that's, that's even more creepy. Um, Jeremiah, thank you so much. It is always a pleasure to speak to you. You're such a literate soul. It's, it's... Always a delight to, to converse with you. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll actually meet you. Uh, it's entirely possible. You know, the world of horror. You know, it's like it's, uh, I look forward to that day. Indeed. Uh, and not at the moment, but very soon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Please let me know when the bells comes out. I want to make sure everyone sure has a chance to see it. And, and all Thank the best you, with everything, and please keep in touch.
0: You too, Jay. Thanks for talking. Thank you. Ciao.